1: in a clear and understandable way because money is a tool and when you understand the language of money you can make better decisions to improve your financial life hey james hey scott
0: welcome to another week
1: all right yeah thanks for having me on the show mm-hmm. Yeah, this it's, week. Uh, having you on the show <laughs> yeah. thanks me for having for me the on the show 145th straight time
0: huh? that's right Thanks for all of you listeners with listener questions. We have another one today. And thank you for those who've been taking the time to re- leave a review about the show to help others expand their own financial literacy. If you've ever gotten a benefit out of this, please just take a minute to leave a review so that we can help other people too. Yeah. That's right
1: it. That's all we ask of you. That's all we ask. Episode over? Mm-hmm. Are we going to do something? No, we're actually going to answer a question. No. Cool. I'll read the question. It's a long one. So I'm going to read the question and then I'm going to summarize what the question is asking. The question says this. It says, currently, I have a 401k company match up to 7%. Nice. The company also allows us to borrow against our 401k up to $50,000. I have a Roth IRA, but I'm not able to make the max contribution. A 401k loan is a 5% interest rate over a 60-month term, but it maxes out at $50,000, and I can have multiple loans against my 401k. Knowing the risk of losing my job or leaving, we have a home equity line of credit to bail us out in a pinch. We realize we lose the compound interest on the loan amount, but taking that loan and putting it towards the Roth would offset that lost gain and help with my tax advantages when the withdrawal party starts, all the while my interest payments are going back into the 401k. My thoughts are, should I take out the loan each year and apply that towards the Roth until I either max out the loan amount or I can make the full contribution amount again? Am I crazy to think this is a good idea? Side notes kids and living expenses have caused me to pull back my full contributions to the Roth, but I'm still contributing. Also, little debt and retirement accounts are good. Personal savings, including retirement and education accounts are at 20% of my net income. I have no plans to leave my company and I plan on retiring there. We are risk averse, but willing to gamble since our position is good. Your podcast is great and I enjoy it on my drives to work. I'm a former surfer who now lives in Dallas using the board as a decoration, but one day will return to the water. All right. Get back in the water. Get back in the water. So essentially-
0: Yeah, go ahead and round out what they're saying. I get what they're getting at, but, and we'll talk more about it.
1: What he's saying is there's cash flow. There's a finite number of dollars, and he wants to get money in the Roth and also the 401k. Mm-hmm. He can't do both. Mm-hmm. He's asking, because there's such a generous 401k match, does it make sense to put my money there, but then take a loan out from my 401k- to fully max out my Roth IRA on the right. side and I'm giving a loan to myself I'm giving a loan to myself because it's a myself a the rate. rate
0: of return that's getting paid back now I don't get the upside on the 401k balance while it's invested right but then I can put more money in the Roth that's the idea mm-hmm.
1: am I crazy am I crazy
0: hmm we'll let you know if we think you're crazy
1: we'll let you know where would you start with this a lot of details a lot of moving pieces so we're going to kind of start high level there's a few components, but what's the first thing you would look at? Yeah, well. And I can start if you want. Yeah, go
0: for it. Where do you want to start on this one?
1: Where I start is, so there's a cash flow crunch. Yes. I can't simultaneously put all the money into my 401k that I want while also putting all the money in my Roth IRA that I want. Mm -hmm. So his solution or suggested solution is do I take out enough of a loan against my 401k each year to fund it? Right. Well, there's a few problems that I see with this. Mm-hmm. Number one is if you can't afford to max out the 401k with just current cash flow, you're going to run into a really tough problem down the road when you're trying to pay back those 401k loans yeah, so plus centra.
0: Like, I'm just assuming we're trying to get that 6k into the non-deductible IRA and flip it to a Roth conversion.
1: Or just fund a Roth. Or maybe, maybe
0: we're under the caps where we can just do a regular Roth right. contribution. So another 6k. So three, four, five years down the road, you have six, (laughs) let's just six years down the road, you have $6,000 loans that you're paying back on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that's the thing. Like, yes, you you have to pay back on those through your paycheck, through your paycheck. And so year one is probably doable, but it just feels tighter and tighter tighter. (laughs) to fund my Roth. But now I'm paying that back. Now the payment is stretched over 60 months. So it's less of a monthly payment. Mm hmm. But then you stack on your two of doing that, year three of doing that, your four of doing that. Right. And all of a sudden, it's not just the money that would have been going to the Roth IRA right. that you're having to use to redirect the payoff, but also the interest rate on that money. Yeah. Granted, you're paying it towards yourself, right? but you still have to pay it. Right. So if cash flow is the issue, I would strongly, strongly suggest against taking out a loan to do this because you're kicking the cash flow issue down the road and making it even harder down Mm -hmm. the road. And each successive year just gets harder and harder.
0: Yes. The short answer is understanding the idea behind what you're thinking. Are you crazy? No. But when you start to think of the ramifications of the year over the year, over the year, over the year, over the year, you just put yourself in a position where there's less and less resiliency for you.
1: Yeah. I think this is one of those instances, like a lot of things in personal finance, where things can make a ton of sense on paper, but they don't translate well to real life. Yeah. Because real life happens and curveballs happen, right? And changes and unexpected things happen. And the more you do this, the more you leverage yourself, the greater and greater risk you put yourself in.
0: Right. I love where the mindset is. I think there's still lots of things we can think through for things that potentially this person could do to be helpful for themselves. Yeah. Right. I think if we had back up higher level for a second, the idea of borrowing money to invest can become a pretty risky proposition mm-hmm. because if the worst of the worst things happen like in my mind I just jump to the worst of the worst this person loses their job it's during a financial crisis so the HELOC gets closed because they haven't used it
1: mm-hmm.
0: right <laughs> because those aren't there are home equity lines of credit are cancelable it's one mm-hmm. of the first things that banks are going to look to get rid of or they'll just reduce your amount if you had 100k available and 20 Ks in use is 100k is still available those' get rid of the 100k yeah. Right. So the moment you get fired, now you have to go pay back the loan. Yeah. The moment you need it most. Yeah. And now you store. don't have the money to go pay it back because you don't have the excess funds. So it just puts you in a position where it doesn't, like what you're going to gain by going through all of this probably isn't worth it. Yeah.
1: Yes. Like if everything happens perfectly, 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 this could make sense. Hmm. But life, I think no one ever, like look back 10 years. Did things happen perfectly every single year to get to where you are today, or did unexpected things happen in my own
0: life? Position? Of course not. No. And in all honesty, with every client that we work with, nothing's ever gone exactly to plan. Yeah. Ever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah. So you know, play it out. Say, okay, you get a marginal benefit each year and things are good. But then you lose your job and then the HELOC gets called. And then you either have to go into debt where you're paying a huge interest rate or you're having to take money from your 401k. Right. And there's penalties. Right. And now all of a sudden, whatever marginal gain you created is more than offset through what's happened. Thankfully, we don't know everything about this individual. Yeah, But I think we know enough where I think we could look at this and say, is this even needed? Totally. Or there's some other options we could
0: think through. Yeah. And let's just think through, I think we kind of put enough thought into what would you do with that loan idea that we can put the loan idea to bed. Mm -hmm. We're going to say, you're not crazy. It's an interesting idea, but- could easily become crazy if you start carrying it out year over year over year. So I know I would not advise a client. And I've actually, I don't think it's a very rare instance when I would advise a client to take a loan from a 401k. Yeah. Typically, we want to see more resiliency on your balance sheet and the ability to take funds from other places. Mm -hmm. To even do things like make contributions to a a Mm -hmm. Roth IRA or something Mm -hmm. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's my first thought. Is I don't know the exact kind of driving reason behind this, but my guess is he just wants money in Roth accounts. He sees the benefits of Roth.
0: Yeah. It's clearly just like filling up the buckets and making it optimal for when we're going to retire and get all of that. But like you could just as easily, we just did an episode not all that long ago where we talked about someone retiring, like when they turned 60 and from age 60 to 72, you don't have to take any money out of your IRA account or your 401k, But you can, and you just pay ordinary income taxes. So in those years, if you get to a point where you can retire, well, now we have a lot of time and freedom and flexibility to figure out how do we optimize this Mm -hmm. on the back end. But I think you might have an idea for what could they do even right now, if they want to look at where they could place funds.
1: My first thought, and not every plan has that, but does this company offer Roth 401k option? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if they do, it doesn't really matter whether you're putting six grand into your Roth IRA or six grand in your Roth 401k. Roth's, Roth's a Roth. Now, there's right. different maybe investment options that you have available to you. Yep. But you're still getting money into a Roth account. Yep. That would be my first thought.
0: Exactly. And like, we don't know the income of this individual. So, you know, we saw the. I think they said the 7% match was happening at the 401k. 401k. Did it say if they were maxing out the 401k or if they stopped?
1: I'm assuming so. He says he's doing 20% of net income combined to retirement and education. Okay. So I'm assuming so. But so like maybe the assumption is, well, I'm already maxing it
0: out. That's great. What do I do next? Well, next obviously would be Roths or Roth conversions. If you could do that either at the corporate level or at the brokerage level. But if you can't do that, that's probably okay too.
1: Yeah. I think the next thing I would go to is how much do you even need to be saving for retirement? Right. We'll talk about this before. There's not a rule of thumb that applies to everyone equally because Mm -hmm. depending on your situation, you need to save different amounts. But in general, if you're saving 10 to 15%, you're probably going to be okay. Now, if you're starting saving for the first time at age 64 and you want to retire at 65 and you start saving 10%, you're not going to be okay. But if you're doing this for enough years and that's total savings, so yeah. I don't care if it's your money going in and your employer's money going in, as long as money's going in, right? It's good. And if you're doing seven and your employer's doing seven, you're at 14% right there. Mm-hmm. So I would want to know, do you need to do more to be on track for your retirement goals or does that kind of cover it? Mm-hmm. And you can take the pressure off a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, when we talk about percentage of savings, I think it's important to calibrate that for a second. The way that when we talk about it, we're talking about Percentage of savings relative to your gross right. income. So if you make a hundred grand in a year before you start taking out taxes and healthcare and 401k and all that stuff, we'd want to know well, are you saving 10,000? Well, that's 10%. If you're saving 20,000, that's 20%. In this instance, we gave a number of 20% of net income. I'd want to know what the gross income number is for you guys, just to know roughly where you're at. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an aside It's something I want to dive into more in another day, but you're kind of mentioning the percentage that people should hold. I actually think that the more income you're making, the more, for this is just what I've seen anecdotally with my own clients, but to reach financial freedom at a decent clip, if you're making you know, 100K or less a year, 10% probably is the good minimum. But if you start moving up to like 250K a year and you're saving 10% a year, your financial freedom is going to be harder to come by because you're actually spending way more Mm -hmm. on disposable income and just living life than the person who makes a hundred grand. Right. So you probably need a higher savings rate, right? Just like food for
1: thought. Mm -hmm. We probably need higher savings rates to higher our income. Yeah. Yeah. If we want to maintain that same higher income, of course, when we're no longer working. Exactly. Yeah. He did mention how much he his saving, but of his net income. Mm-hmm. So the difference is net income, of course, is what percentage of my take-home pay am I yeah. saving versus we like to look at it, the gross income. Yeah. Again, everything's more nuanced than just a black or white answer here. But but what I was going to
0: get at, someone mentioned this concept to me the other day of a freedom number, and I loved the concept, but I want to look more at the data behind it. But their idea as an advisor was relatively simple. If a client has a 10% tax rate, I want to see them saving at least 10% of savings. If they're in a 35% tax rate, ideally they're saving in a 35% rate of savings. And the idea is the more you can keep it closer to -to one-to-one, the more likely you are to hit your freedom goal as quickly as you want. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. James Mm. is looking at me funny right
1: now. I'm just saying like we're in California, like say you're making top income. Right. Paying 50% taxes and 50%. Well, savings.
0: yeah, maybe we need to look at the federal Sorry, go rate. To the extremes of maybe we need to look at the federal rate and not the uh, in this instance, not the all-in number, but it's just the kind of the idea of calibration. Like mm-hmm. if you're paying a 35% tax rate and you're only saving 10%, I can just tell the my gut tells me just looking at numbers, like that person's going to have to work forever. Mm. <laughs> They're living all of their money. They're not saving mm-hmm. any of it. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting concept.
1: Yeah. No, it's nice to have some just Everyone wants to know, how am I doing? How yep. am I doing relative to what I should be doing? Mm-hmm. And having some of those simple calibration points or simple ways of checking that, I think, is yep. healthy. But back to his savings, right? He says, okay, I'm doing 20% of net income to savings. Yeah, That includes retirement and education. Hmm. I might go back to, well, in the same way I said, are you overfunding retirement? Maybe, maybe not. Are you overfunding college? Maybe, maybe not. One right. thing he could consider is, I have no idea what age he was when he had children. But if people are over certain ages when they have children, sometimes a Roth IRA is a great place to do their college savings because those funds are fully available. Yeah. You know, if you have a kid that's in college and you turn 59 and a half, you can use all of your Roth IRA and it's completely tax free, Mm -hmm. which is really what the benefit of a 529 plan is, is it's completely tax free. Yep. And even if you're not 59 and a half, you could at least use the contributions that you made to a Roth IRA to pull out for college penalty free and tax free.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that so long as we're still allowed to do so. It's one of the things we talk about with clients all the time is like you don't necessarily want to go put 100% of college into a 529 because who knows what college is going to look like. So yeah. fund some amount that you're comfortable with. And then if you do like Roth contributions or backdoor or you know non-deductible IRA contributions with a Roth conversion, sometimes it's called like a backdoor Roth conversion. When you do that type of a conversion after five years, you can take the contribution amount for any reason. So you have the flexibility to pull it out for college if you really need it. Yeah. Or you can just let it grow for retirement. Yeah. So there's flexibility. I think the key here is we don't quite understand if the 7% match is the full percent of what's being saved there or if not. Because, you know, then you're taking away some, in a sense, free income yeah, to exactly. start doing the Roth contributions. But you could easily do the Roth contributions in a roth 401k and still be getting the match
1: yeah 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 exactly it's percent total mm-hmm. half and half pre-tax and roth yeah and i think in general we're both bigger fans of keeping it as simple as possible
0: mm. yes
1: yes there's times when you need to really get in there and massage things and make it work out well. mm-hmm. but over the course of time the more complicated you're making things, the less likely you are to have success with that over time.
0: Fully agree. Your financial life when you just blend it in with life as a whole is already a complex adaptive system. There's already all these component parts that have to work together. Do I have the right investments? Do I have the right cash flow? Do I have a good mix on my balance sheet? You know, are my taxes optimized for the life I want to live? Do I have the right insurances? Do I have an estate plan? It's already complicated, even if you just look to make all of those component parts as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of making it as simple as possible. Yeah. Not simpler. Yeah. Right? We don't, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. want to overly simplify things. But anytime someone's proposing a scheme or let me show you how everyone else is doing it wrong. And I'm not saying that that's not what's happening here. It's just This is an idea that's a little... It seems like it could be a good idea, but when you start to look at it under the surface, you just kind of go, well, frontline, yeah, it kind of makes sense on paper the one time, but then the moment you start to go look at how does that amplify through your life year over year over year, it can become really complex and really difficult.
1: Yeah, there's just a ripple effect financially, but then even like just cognitively, I have to spend all this time focusing on this. Well, are there things that we can focus on that will lead to significantly greater outcomes, which is things on the financial side, like- I mean, basic things, are there things you can do to increase your income? Are there big expenses that you could cut out because maybe you have, I don't know, too much car, too much home? Like some of those bigger things is what makes or breaks financial situations, not necessarily can I get this amount to my 401k, take a loan strategically, fund this account, pay back through. it. It just gets complicated. The marginal benefit is not worth. To to
0: your point, to me, it, it always comes back to what does a great life look like for this person? What does a great life look like for their partner if they have one? What matters most to the two of you? And then once we understand that, let's look how to optimize your assets, your cash flow, and your balance sheet to give you guys the life that you want. You know, it might turn out that you just need to work an extra year to live a great life now and in the future.
1: I don't know what the answer is, but I know it exists. Yep. Yep. Fully agree. Well, I think that's all I have. Unless you have anything else.
0: Uh, I had one other thing, but it's escaped me you go back to the notes so i can see if i can remember it
1: we have talking about roths we have savings yes focus on the big things
0: no it left me it went away sorry guys (laughs) next (laughs) time follow up on the next episode yeah thanks for the question and please get back they can go to waco to surf
1: they can go there (laughs) i did that with some friends we live here in san diego and we can surf every day and Pretty much all surfers go to Waco, Waco <laughs> from
0: San Diego go to Waco to yeah, surf. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. So
1: there's a wave pool in Waco. Check it oh, out. Oh,
0: I actually I do think what I was gonna get at was just nope, it left me again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gone. Uh, yeah. Have a good day. <laughs> all right. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.